we go. Yeah. Of course, they can't hear it on there. Of course, they can't really hear that on there. Well, that's okay. For those of you uh, in the watching audience, we're listening to music. Not just any music. We're listening to Jeff Pitchell's Fat Cigars. Sounds good, Jeff, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Well, you wouldn't say it wouldn't. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm Pastor Padrone, and it is time for Not Just Blowing Smoke. Coming at you live from Twin Smoke Shop Studio Headquarters here in Londonderry, New Hampshire. If you are streaming with us live, and it doesn't look like we are, well, that's the luck of the draw. That's what happens when your producer is out of town and on vacation. And so if you are listening on Podbean, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast fun, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you don't ever miss a thing. I am Pastor Padrone. I'm here with my co-host, Pat. Dave is on vacation tonight, and we are we have a great fill-in producer with us, Cigar God Dave from the Cigar Hacks, is doing our uh, producing tonight, and we're very grateful for you, Dave. Thank you very much for oh, being here and stepping up. We've got Kirk Kendall here hey, on now. the show owner of Twins in 724, and we have award winner, songwriter, singer, guitar player, and Blues Hall of Famer, Jeff Pitchell, the author and singer of Fat Cigars, our theme song, right with us tonight. This is freaking awesome. Thank you. Good to be here. Thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And so we are, this is obviously a special episode tonight. We're smoking the uh, Twins 25th Anniversary Aganor Salif Cigar. Uh, Aganor Salif made these for us. It is a Nicaraguan Corojo 99 wrapper around Nicaraguan binder and filler. The Corona Gorda is 6x46. This is the same blend that's in their uh, La Valedicion Corojo series line, but... It is not box-pressed, and it is in a Vitola that is unique to this release, the Corona Gorda. Uh, The only way you can get this size of the cigar is by coming to Twins. There were only 250 boxes made, 10-count boxes. You get them while you can, when they can, or when you can. All right? And, Kurt, uh, I had a pairing all set up, but you kind of co-opted me tonight. What is it we are going to be pairing with this cigar? Well, a few about a month ago, we went to Kentucky to go seek some kick-ass bourbon, and I got invited to uh, the Willet Distillery to select a barrel, and uh, the goal was to find something great, reasonable, uh, drinkable, and. They poured all their top shelf oldest whiskey they had, <laughs> and by the end of the by the end of the uh, sampling and selection, I found out that it was uh, the one that we picked was a ten year old bourbon, uh, one of the first liquids that they actually uh, produced and distilled. They started eleven years ago. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, they had taken a little hiatus, and uh, they hadn't distilled anything since 84 so mm. they allowed us to buy one of their 10 year old barrels of bourbon and that's what we're trying tonight that's awesome and it is really really good stuff um yeah, what i might not have mentioned was it is a barrel proof it's 129.6 proof. 129.6? But it's uh, it's got some really nice characteristics. You guys will... Uh, Whoa. Wow. It's got some fire yeah. to it. It's got some fire. It's got some heat, but it's... Uh, Not much water to it. Wow. You know, you can proof it down a little bit if you'd like. Or uh, drink it as is. Put a cube in it. Put a couple oh. drops. How do, you, how do you drink it, Kurt? I, I tend to like it neat. Yeah, but I, I have. I'm a new, not surprised. I have a tech, new technique of drinking whiskey, though. I don't gulp it or take big, 
<laughs> you know, yeah. I just put enough in my mouth to taste it, mm-hmm. and uh, I find that I enjoy it the most. This might sound a little odd, but I'm going to say it anyways. I think the combination of saliva yeah. and the whiskey is a nice it kind of cuts it down a little bit saliva like my mouth's watering right now so that's some good saliva right there yeah <laughs> good high test saliva with that uh, whiskey that's great oh my goodness now you two have been friends for years yes how did you meet and i want to i want to ask you first jeff and then I want to see if that's what Kurt remembers. You better ask Kurt, because, uh, <laughs> boy, oh, boy, we were, when we had dinner together tonight, we were just saying to each other how everything seems to be spotty, our, uh, <laughs> our memories. But, jeez. Uh, what do you recall, Jeff? Was it, Shar- it wasn't Sharky's, was it? Yeah. Sharky's was a Sharkies. club in Nashua that we used to play. And, uh, boy, we had some great nights there. We were young. And uh, energetic and enthusiastic. And, uh, boy, those were good times. Is that what you remember, Kurt? Yeah, vaguely. You know, it's... Uh, vaguely? <laughs> back, uh, I'm going to say, shortly after we opened Twin Smoke Shop, I had heard about this guy that was a incredible blues guitar player and he was uh at the time playing a lot of stevie ray vaughn which i was a big fan of yeah yeah you've always been a fan Uh, of my friend jay delanoy picked me up in his honda accord and we uh went down to nashua new hampshire to sharky's Mm -hmm. which i hadn't been to before i don't even know uh what it was it was a club of some sort (laughs) and uh jeff was playing there and i was mesmerized by his talent and uh you know we we both grew up in hartford connecticut yeah uh that was kind of our our thing in common and i stuck around probably intoxicated uh (laughs) babbling in his face after drinking but see at sharky's we could smoke cigars right and uh we would smoke cigars in there watch jeff and every time he came to town we'd go and then uh you know after that i would actually travel to go watch jeff play because i really enjoyed his music yeah so i'm sure after uh, we would stick around after the show and get a chance to talk to jeff and we became good friends yeah that's right uh, (laughs) so was kurt kind of a groupie you couldn't get away from you know following you around all over new england or were you happy when he showed up because he brought cigars with him I think that uh, I would just say that there is only one Kurt, and he certainly makes an impression on anyone he meets, um, even to this day. Mm-hmm. So I would never characterize him as a groupie, so to say. But um, I think the Kurt's style and demeanor uh, is something to admire because uh, he's kind of a guy of few words. This is the most I've heard him say it my whole life. <laughs> so we sat down at this podcast. So he's really opening up. Yeah, Maybe no, I'm bringing that out of him. No, I think but, you are. Yeah. I mean, I I mean to kind of give you a, a picture, you know, the first time we had Kurt on the podcast, yeah. like you said, he's a man of very few words. Yes, he is. So I had 33 questions ready. Yeah. yeah. Because I figured at least 15 of them were just going to be no. <laughs> Or, hey, now, or something. Well, I think there's a lot to learn from Kurt. He's uh, a successful guy in a lot of ways, and not just in business, but uh, he doesn't dilly-dally around. So no, he gets to the point, and I admire that in him, and uh, I really appreciate his friendship. And I yeah. as well, I'm sure you do. I do, Dan. totally. Yeah, now, did you were you into cigars before you met Kurt? Or was Kurt the catalyst that... I'm sure he pushed it along, but uh, yeah, I've always had a... You know, I always smoked uh, cigars for as long as I can remember. Um, from the smoking area at Weathersfield High School to uh, to Sharky's to... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the whole cigar thing and then the twin smoke shop and then the song evolving. Yeah. Sort of like the moon and stars kind of aligned uh, <laughs> for us because uh, it's it's all good, you know. So I, I got to ask you, you know, what's what's the story behind Fat Cigars? Okay. 
So we played on Block Island uh, with Dickie Betts, uh, the Allman Brothers. Yeah. And I was playing with Peter Tork at the time. My band was backing up Peter Tork of the Monkees. Yeah. We were scheduled to go on before Dickie, but Peter missed the ferry. So I ended up playing with Dickie. Okay. And that's how I became friends with Dickie Betts and his son, Dwayne. Yeah. And Dwayne's on this album. But my friend Scott Kennedy was there, and there was people, there was golf carts that said cigar cutters on the back of the golf carts. So we found that very, you know, kind of weird. <laughs> and uh, he goes, Jeff, you notice everybody here is smoking cigars, and they have guys going around cutting the cigars. We should write a song together about fat cigars and about guys who like to driving convertibles with their hair blowing in the wind and they like to meet their other friends about how to make money and they smoke cigars it's a perfect idea i said okay scott let's work on that together now this guy scott kennedy he was related to the kennedy kennedys his father was a, a war hero i believe and uh he owned a club in, in glastonbury that i used to play at all right so long story short he, he and i wrote the words together mm -hmm. and then i was thinking how could I come up with a a song that sounds like someone chugging down the street in a convertible? So that's how <laughs> you the, did a pretty good job, thanks. man. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's a very straightforward rocker. We call it four on the floor. Mm -hmm. So the drummer's playing one, two, three, four with his kick drum. Yeah, and it's it's rock and roll. It's straight rock and roll, and it it gets a lot of requests everywhere we go. So yeah, it's a great song, Kurt. Kurt can't get it out of his head. I can't. We started playing it today, and that just... We've played it hundreds and hundreds of times. Yeah. Uh, I've worn CDs out playing that. Wow. Yeah. People would yell at me because they were sick of hearing it. Wow, I didn't <laughs> know was, any of this. It <laughs> was, yeah. It, it just, was crazy. You know, Kurt never told me he really liked the song a lot. He's told me a few times. Mm -hmm. But um, as I say, Kurt's a guy of a few words. And uh, <laughs> I remember being in the studio... And uh, coming up with this, uh, that riff that goes, you know, like. Uh, and uh, the engineer goes, man, I think that's a hooky riff. I think you should go with that. And then, and then the other, <laughs> yeah, the other guitar part was like. So those two guitar parts, to me, when I heard it, I said, yeah, that's kind of cool. I think it'll work. And then surrounded by leather in my brand new fancy car, it merged, the lyrics merged with the feel of the riff. Yeah. And then, yeah. Um, and then the guitar solos kind of like Stevie Ray Vaughan meets Jimmy Vaughan type of mm. approach. And uh, yeah, that song is, is on this new album that is doing well so that would be this new album right here yeah here we are playing with my friends by jeff pitchell and um you know i was looking at the that roots yes you know top 50 electric blues chart and it seems like they just copied the playlist into the top 12 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like the week be week before there was four songs on it, which I was astonished. And then uh, all of a sudden the, the the twelve were on there, and I'm I just can't believe how great this uh, album's doing. I'm in shock. Yeah, this is all in the last couple of days. And it, it's not like the twelve songs are on the top fifty list, which is would be incredible in and of itself. But it's the top twelve spots. Yes, <laughs> the yes. top twelve spots. I've never seen now. I don't know anything about the Roots yeah, list, yeah. how big it is, how right, right. whatever. So it, can you yeah, give my, the audience I, an my explanation of how important that is? Yeah, my understanding is it's how many spins you get worldwide. And this album is promoted by Duguello Records and Blind Raccoon. And mm -hmm. they promote the album to all the radio stations in the world. And it had the most spins on the radio stations for that particular week. So that's how they gauge it. Mm. So, so it's a worldwide my whole, thing. My whole team is trying to, you know perceive what what does that mean you know yeah um but we're all ecstatic and we're all hugging each other because it's all good you know? yeah. <laughs> so it's not a bad thing you know yeah. and then there's the the best uh 
the Blues Roots album, mm-hmm. too. It won that, mm. uh, which had Buddy Guy, Gary Clark, and people like that. So I'm just, I'm, I'm in, you gotta, I'm in shock. I'm in shock. I'm here talking about it the day after it happened. We had this plan before any of this. So right, right. We might as well talk about that because it's kind of cool. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Celebrated here. Yeah, Cheers. Here, here. And, Cheers. Uh, absolutely. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Thank you to Kurt, too. Kurt has helped me over the years, and uh, thank you, buddy. He helped sponsor some of the, the, the Twin Smokes. Uh, has hired us every year to play their customer appreciation party, where there's <clears throat> Phil at Mignon and Don Perignons, and uh, <laughs> all that. So we might as well drink yeah. top shelf liquor while we talk about that's right cigars and Phil at Mignons and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Kurt has a few convertibles, as I understand. Too, yeah. as I'm I not understand. a convertible guy. I don't have a convertible. Are you sure? Positive. Yeah, yeah. It's not too late. Yeah, it's not too late. No. One thing I can tell you is, uh, you know, all the years I'd go out and see Jeff play. Yeah. And somehow he would see me in the back <laughs> and uh, always uh, give us a shout-out when he played that song. Yeah. Well, you got a, you got a very, like, unique awesome smile and now that it's got that like 14 foot beard on it it's it's hard to miss kurt <laughs> i don't know yeah it's very well kept now kurt let me ask you a question you know it, it you know having been here for four years one of the things that's been drilled into my head is the music you want played at the store is blues and you know when you think blues you know jeff pitchell's always coming up you love the the fat cigar song, and you know it's a very important thing for the ambiance of what you were trying to create here at Twins. Why do you? Why is the blues music? Do you think instrumental for the the kind of atmosphere you're wanting to create here at Twins and smoking a cigar? How does that go with cigar smoking? You know, uh, that is a good question, Dan. I've always. Uh, really felt the blues and the music and i've as much as i have had i've had a lot of hard times in my life i've kind of i can feel the blues <laughs> when i opened the store that's what was on and mm-hmm. i wanted to have a vibe of that in the shop mm-hmm. so for 18 years when we were down the road i don't think there was many days where there wasn't blues playing right so when i walk in here now and it's not that vibe, and we got, you know, some reggae on or something like that. With all due respect, it's just not the vibe that I always felt when I walked into our own place. So it's it's always been important to me. It's got yeah. me through a lot of hard times. and uh, Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I really use, love it. It, it. You know, I've always kind of tried to explain cigars to people who don't smoke cigars as, as like a kind of aromatherapy. You know, and music is also very therapeutic and sets sets the mood for things. And and I think the blues, to me, you know, it does. It it creates a particular vibe. You know, and and uh, I think it encourages you to sit, to relax, to kind of chill. Oh yeah. And and uh, you know, even our annual uh, anniversary blues, party was and you call smoking it the blues, blues barbecue. You, blues barbecue again. Yeah. It's right there. And, so it's uh, kind of at the core of things. We've had a lot of different uh, different music played there, and it's uh, typically always revolved around that. You know, and it, I know it's it's not easy to turn on the radio and listen to blues. Right. Kind of got to bring your own a lot of times, you know. That yeah. nowadays where we're all streaming stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I do give them some leeway to play different music at the bar. But <laughs> it is nice to walk in every once in a while and get that feeling like I used to when I'd yeah. walk in and hear that uh, those you know rhythms. You know, it's, yeah. it always felt great. Mm. Now, the question I have for you is kind of kind of the flip side of that you know I, I would think that smoking cigars was kind of influential in your writing the fat cigar song you know, do does you know for me you know if i'm trying to think if i'm trying to write if i'm trying to be creative smoking a cigar helps me it helps me get in the mood it helps me set the mindset it helps me relax it, i would say it, it helps my creative juices flow does cigar smoking play a kind of 
role in your creative process as you write and and do things? Yeah, I mean, not intentionally, but uh, certainly it has. Like, I was telling Kurt at dinner that uh, some guys that I ride with, Kurt rides, I ride with my buddies, and uh, we always ride and go smoke a stick somewhere Mm -hmm. and sit in a circle together and talk. And uh, I was working on another song for a new album. I'm writing material. And and one of them, one of the lyrics is like, you know, uh, well, let me show you. Oh, yeah. It's like, if I died and went to heaven this sunny afternoon, met up with St. Peter, we decided to write a tune. We talk about the good things we'd pass on to the young. And here's a song we wrote down in heaven sang along. Always have a good time, go riding with your friends. Take a drink of sweet wine every now and then. Look for the good side in every single man. Help your brothers and sisters any way you can. So that song came to me when I was riding with my buddies while we were riding and going to smoke a cigar, and it put me in a frame of mind. Yeah. And, and, I haven't recorded that song yet, but I'm, I'm planning to do it in Nashville on this next deal. Guess what? We just recorded it. We just recorded it. <laughs> Nobody steal it. No, no one's stealing nothing. But it's sort of about like... I just don't want YouTube to shut me down. If you, if, if, yeah, it's saying if you died and went to heaven, you know, today on a sunny afternoon and you met St. Peter and he, he, he wants you to pass on your knowledge to the young, what would you say? Yeah. And... That whole concept came to me, relax, riding with my buddies and going to smoke a stick. So even when you're anticipating relaxing and smoking a stick, yeah, yeah. Good, good ideas can come. See that, Kurt? Yeah, hey, that's man. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it was good. I like that a lot. I enjoy that. Thanks, man. I, it's, I think it's going to be a good song. I, I just, you know, these are just ideas, and, and I'm a very yeah. spontaneous person, as you can tell. Yeah. And uh, I, I leave a lot to to uh, the moment, you know. Mm. You know, I'll tell you one thing. Years ago, I don't remember why, but I, it might have been during Laconia Bike Week or something like that. And Jeff and his whole band stayed at my house, and he wrote a song about uh, the shampoo that I used. Oh, really? <laughs> remember that, Jeff? I vaguely remember. I mean, we were probably out of our minds. Oh, yeah. But our bike week, whatever, but those were the good old days oh, yeah. when we were young and we were we were fearless. And then he, he actually recorded it and gave me the disc, which I have somewhere. Oh, my God. What is it? No perk for Kurt? Uh, was it something? something about luxury shampoo. Was it really? What are you going to do? <laughs> wow, I forgot. That's when you had the Every house. once in a while, I'll be in, I'll be in the, the house shower. Had, like the stables and stuff? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> wow, you got a good memory. No, I really don't, but I remember the I remember the good stuff. That's, That's awesome. Funny. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, you, you remember how it goes, Kurt? Yeah, I, I probably I probably know a few lines, but I'm not going to go there right now. No, no, you're not going to go there. All right. Um, what made you, Jeff, want to get into the music business? I mean, everybody knows it's a tough thing. You got to yeah. keep keep going and keep going and keep. And there's so much disappointment on the way and. You, you got so. What made you want to go down this road in the first place? I don't think I chose it. It chooses you. Yeah. I had uh, my both my parents are that. musicians. My uncle George, my mom's brother, played on the Grand Ole Opry, and uh, mm. he would come over to my house. He was a very eccentric guy, and he was the fastest gun in the world. Like where you pull the pistol out, and he went to the Grand Ole Opry, and because he was a Yankee back in the early '60s, mm-hmm. he was a big tough dude but people messed with him because he was a yankee down there but he would say to me don't be a musician because you're too tender you gotta be tough this is when i was a little kid yeah i didn't even know what he meant but uh <laughs> yeah like i said it shows me mean, I, I didn't like set out to be a musician it's sort of like it, it, it calls you it's yeah. like it's like you can't let you can't you can't not write a song when it comes to you. And I think B.B. King said it the best. He said, being a music- musician is easy. 
except you have to use the bathroom when you don't have to go to the bathroom, sleep when you don't need to sleep, and uh, what was the third? See, it's gone. Uh. <laughs> well, Jeff, what? Let me ask you a question now, because I do have a couple of questions. As, long, as well as we know each other, God has questions. What is the last job you actually had? Because all the time I've known you, you've been a musician yeah, full time. I uh, when I told my parents I was going to be a professional musician, they said, "Well, you got to go to college and have something to fall back on." <laughs> so I became a, an elementary school teacher. I taught in inner city Hartford, uh, Connecticut, for two years. And uh, the day I graduated from college, I handed my father the diploma. And I said, I got this for you. Now I'm going to go make music. And uh, he just smiled and kind of looked at me very baffled. But, yeah, I, I've taught school. I've, I've, I've taught music. As a matter of fact, this thing being on the charts and Facebook, uh some girl that I went to college with, Paula, she was a dancer. I, I hadn't seen her since college. And she writes, Jeff was amusing in the music class because we had to take a music class on how to teach music. And the teacher was very arrogant and condescending. And she said, "You, Jeff made it fun and made me get through that easily. Well, I don't remember it, but I wrote her thanks so much, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I had a lot of jobs, I you know, besides uh, teaching, you know. Uh, you could name it. I did everything, but I always wanted to just make music my thing, Kurt. And uh, thanks to people like Kurt and a lot of other folks I need to thank on this effort that I, it's too long of a list. And if I do it, I'll, I'll leave someone out, and, you know. But, uh, yeah, I've been very fortunate to make music. And after we, Kurt and I were saying we both have lost a lot of close family and friends over the years, yeah. you don't take for granted playing music or, or making people smile with music like you did before, before we took it all for granted. You get to be our age and you go, you know, every chance you can to make people happy through music, you take, Dan, and that's mm-hmm. that's the reward. All the other stuff is, is bullshit. What's your next question, Kurt? Well, the next question kind of puts Jeff on the spot, and I don't know how much he how much he would like to answer this, but as long as I've known Jeff, he's played with a lot of cool people. I was going to ask him, you know, you mind sharing with everybody like all the different people you've played with over the years? Uh, no, I, I think it's, uh, it's, a good, it's. I feel like I'm amongst friends, so. Yeah, my biggest thrill was the Allman Brothers, B.B. Um, King. Uh, we brought Jay Giles here. He was great to play with uh, mm. Phil Lesh of the Grateful Dead. Uh, but the Allman Brothers was the, the greatest experience, and Matt was there. He can attest to it. <clears throat> um, they sent me in like an email saying, bring your favorite guitar to the Beacon Theater. And I was just very flabbergasted by that so i went there and uh they give you a dressing room and i saw the set list and they recorded it and it's so i can say i recorded with the allman brothers so uh probably a month before greg died uh i played at the beacon and uh they recorded it you can buy it and that was my highlight of my musical career but also playing with bb uh because he was the nicest person I ever played with that was really mm. famous. Mm. But uh, are, yeah. are there people that you played with that you were like, oh, I'm so glad I get to play with them, and then after you played with them, you were like, that may not have been a really great idea. Well, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I probably don't recall anything that happened like that, but certainly... There's been some crazy stuff that's happened on stage uh, with Peter Tork, with Jay Giles, yeah. with a lot of people that you just can't make it up. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's never been bad enough where we had to leave or got booed, or. Mm-hmm. but definitely certain things happen that we're not in control. And I'm not in control of you. You're not in control of me. We right. can't control our kids. We can't control anybody. Can't control my regular producer being here. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you again, Dave. That's okay. Hey, Dave. (laughs) All good. This is a pleasure, let me tell you. So so a little Jay Giles trivia. I was on Jay Giles' stage crew for one one show back in the day. Nice. I was like 20. 
That was a long time ago. So that was back in the 1900s? Yeah. 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 What an honor. You know, Jeff came to play at our party one time, and he brought uh, Jay Giles with him. It's like, wow, man, this is unbelievable. Jay was a very good person. He was an introvert. And uh, I think the first time I met him, I went to him, I went, you know. Oh, God, I can't remember it. I played that to him. He goes, you know, Seth Justman told me to play that riff right in the studio. And I go, well, I heard that in eighth grade, seventh grade, and it caught right through me. It was One Last Kiss by Jay Giles. And he goes, you know, Peter wrote that for his wife, Faye Dunaway, when they got divorced. You know, uh, One Last Kiss before I walk out. And I just, that's the first thing that came to my mind when I met him. I just played that to him. And he was so modest. He said, oh, I didn't come up with that. Seth came up with that, told me to play that. Mm. So he was a humble guy. They named the band after him. He, he went to MIT, was an engineer. You know, he, he had the same circumstance growing up where his father, parents were like, you're not going to be a musician. You're going to go to school. And, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful to him because when, we, when he was playing well and wasn't sick, he could really play. And he would smoke everywhere he went. And the... the fire marshals and the owners of the theater would come up to me and say put that out now they wouldn't dare say it to him because oh, yeah. <laughs> he would just say fuck it i'm gonna leave you know yeah. so i mean he isn't that right matt i mean he just didn't care and they'd be like the consumption of cigarettes cigars or alcohol is forbidden in your contract can't do that in a public theater and he'd just go okay i need you know so, a lot of good memories of him. <laughs> we made an album together, mm. uh, the American Girl album, and uh, he's on this album, too, on my song, uh, Prisoner of Love, and he produced that track and played Slide, and uh, wow. it was it was a cra- quite an experience, yeah. Who are some of the people who've been the most helpful to you, getting you where you are now? Like, some of your mentors in the business. No one makes it by themselves. You know, Kurt didn't get here by himself. He had a lot of help from from people. Who were some of the people that really helped you get to where you are? Well, that's that's a good question. I mean, James Cotton. I recorded with him. He opened a lot of doors for me. BB, BB uh, had a policy that you couldn't play with him until you did eleven shows with him. Mm. So he didn't give it to just anybody. Um, of course, Giles, uh, Phil Lesh, Phil Lesh. Uh, all the uh, Cotton, um, the Allman Brothers, JMO of the Allman Brothers. Uh, I was always friends with him. I was always hanging around with the Allman Brothers, getting backstage, never asked to play. They knew I was uh, a professional musician, and uh, for them to send me that invitation and for JMO to hook me up with those guys. Mm. Um, just Rick Derringer. Rick Derringer uh, produced uh, an album for me. He didn't have to do that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm grateful to all those people. I got a lot of respect for to them because they don't have to help out people coming up. Yeah. And uh, I hope someday to be in a position to help people come up. It's always great to pay, pay it forward like that. Yeah. What are some of your favorite places to perform? Well, my favorite place was the House of Blues in Cambridge. And that was a great room. People would just go crazy before we even started. Uh, the Sting in New Britain was another great place. Toad's Place. Those places are gone. But now the theaters, we're going to be at Tupelo uh, April 1st. So everybody listening and everybody here, come to Tupelo. You'll see B.B. King's daughter and Stevie Ray Vaughan's nephew, Tyrone. They're both on this new album. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of great rooms, man. Yeah. Have you ever, like, this may be a weird question, but I've, I've had this experience myself. Sometimes, you because you know I'm a pastor. We, we talked a little bit about that before. Sometimes... I've gotten to the place where I will say yes to go and speak somewhere because I know that gets me close to somewhere else that I would like to go or visit, whether that's a restaurant or a person or a place or whatever. Are there places that you would 
say, okay, I'll go there because I know there's a great steakhouse there. I know there's a great cigar shop there. I know there's so-and-so who lives there. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, I mean, Charles Neville worked with us for a few years, and uh, he would play with us, and he'd play with a lot of other bands, and then he'd go play with Aaron at like a 10,000-seater the next night, and he had no uh, trepidation, mm. is that a good word, to uh, about anywhere he played. He was just sharing his gift, you know, mm-hmm. and he didn't, it didn't matter if it was a funeral, a birthday party, uh, 10,000 people. <laughs> it was all the same to him. And uh, even when we made this album together, the rehearsal space, for some reason, was closed. Mm-hmm. And I met him there, and it was a beautiful day in Northampton, Mass. And he goes, we could just rehearse in this parking lot, and then we'll go in the studio. And I just thought that that was so cool, because he didn't care. He was just yeah. like, we'll just get it together right now, and then we won't waste the studio time trying to figure out what we're doing. He was in his 70s, you know? So I think being around people like him is like being with a pastor. Mm-hmm. He is, was an enlightened guy, very enlightened about music's gift. And even when he died, he was optimistic to the end, very end. Yeah. That makes sense? No, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. Jeff, what brought you into uh, really getting behind and playing uh, so much Steve Ray Vaughan? And uh, did you ever get an opportunity to play with any of the guys from his band? Yeah, I did. With uh, Tommy Shannon came and worked with us for uh, maybe six months. But the the first time I heard Stevie, he was doing like on the radio was. Uh, and then it's like, what is on here? Nobody was doing that. And I heard that on the radio, and then I heard uh, Pride and Joy, and I go, how does that guy doing that? It sounds clean and dirty at the same time. (laughs) And nobody was manhandling a strat like that. He manhandled it. And uh, once I heard that, I said, I got to figure out how to do that. And it took me a long time. Of, of And back then, I, I was listening to the cassettes right. or the records and playing them over again and playing with them. And then someone called me from the Sting and said, can you do a night of Stevie Ray Vaughan? I said, sure. So we went down there and did it. Then, like, the manager of the Sting said, you guys are Texas Flood. I said, okay. And it was like 1,500 people. And that became a regular routine where the radio stations would play us live on HCN at the Sting. Which just opened up a lot of doors. Mm. So, yeah, he was like one of my favorites before Hendrix. And he mm. was, uh, of course, a Hendrix guy, too. He played a lot of Hendrix, so it was a good fit. That's awesome. <laughs> they used to play that song, Life by the Drop. Yeah. That thing always brings tears in my eyes. I, I know. I don't know what it is about yeah, that. He song. really digs deep on that one. Yeah. Let me give Jeff a little bit of a break here. Sure. We've been smoking the cigar for a while. What are some of the things we're picking up from the cigar? How do we like the pairing with the Willet? Um, Pat, you want to talk a little bit about what you're getting from this? Yeah, so I'm a huge Agonorsa guy. You know, they primarily grow three different tobaccos, and a lot of their, well, all their cigars just utilize those different tobaccos and different, like, blends. And, like, this one specifically has that uh, Croho 99 wrapper on it, so you get, like, a lot of... famous for, yeah. Yes, and it's, you know, it's hybridization, so they took Cuban Habano, and they hybrided it with Corojo, so you get, like, that nice kind of grassy spice from the Habano, but then you get that nice kind of creamy sweetness from the um, Corojo. And it just kind of makes a really nice refined mixture, and then you have the fillers in it, and then the smaller Vitola, just getting more of that wrapper, like I'm getting like, you know, like that kind of a caramel sweetness, which is going really, really remarkable with the Willet. It is phenomenal. Like the finish, like the Willet has a little bit of heat to it. Mm-hmm. So I, what, I, what I'm doing is I'm taking... It's like 130 what, degrees. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of heat. So I started doing what, what Kurt mentioned with like the saliva in your mouth that kind of cut through it, and you get more nuances. Like, you know, that caramel's there. The heat's kind of died down a little bit. It's a little bit of like, to me, it's like a Cajun pepper, like an earthy red pepper. And then that just goes so well with the cigar. It just opens up the notes from the Nicaraguan tobacco. It's just very, just 
amazing. It's a really good pairing. Wow, that's an un- unbelievably great description of what we're experiencing. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah, Kurt, I'm like mesmerized by this guy. Is Who is this comes guy? Out of his mouth. Holy cow! It's like unbelievable. This guy's an intellect. That he for tasted God's all sake. that, and then he can actually say it. It's pretty <laughs> yeah. impressive. And then, and then actually to to pair it, and how the pairing is clearing the the palate for the, the smoke. Yeah. Holy cow! I got to take lessons here. Then you got Nick who says, I get lots of tobacco notes. <laughs> really sure why. <laughs> what do you think, Kurt? You were a little concerned that the Willet was going to be a little too strong for this. Are you still feeling that way, or you feel like the no, pairing's good? I think the pairing's pretty good. It's got a lot of uh, <laughs> what he said. <laughs> yeah. I've never been a big guy for uh, tasting notes, and uh, you know, I either like it or I don't. Yeah, I'm enjoying the cigar very much, and with the uh, with the pairing with the Willet, it's I think they're pretty well matched up. Good flavor. Neither one of them's drowning out the other. Yeah, with this Willet, you've got to go slow with it, and it's yeah, fabulous. Go I think you got to go it. real slow with it, and it's oh, really man. good. It's really good. Now I had this cigar like end of January when we were here for the our big hack party, Hackapalooza, and uh, I had this cigar then. And I got to say, six weeks later, what a difference! This has sat for a while, and it's really starting to come into its own. Yeah, it's a lot different than the first one I had. One of the reasons why we let it sit. Yeah, delicious. And already it's it's already getting there. No, I, I, Mike Kurt, it's like things are really either really good or really yeah. bad for yeah. me. And I'm enjoying both these if, if my two cents matters. But yeah, it does. Uh, you could just tell they're, they're just both very refined. Uh, the, the whiskey song, Jeff, if, if, if yeah. my two cents matters. Here we go. Ready, guys? Yeah. Here we go. We're going to create this live right now. It's my dumb week in two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. If my two cents matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so funny you said that because I was at the drive-thru this morning at like Dunkin' Donuts and the guy gave me back two cents and I said to him, What's the expression? If you want my two cents. <laughs> That's what I said to him. He went right over, right over, right over his head. head. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he was a kid. So it's funny, though, but. Oh, that's awesome. They awesome. change the name of the show to If You Want My Two Cents. <laughs> that would be a good name of a right, podcast. Right. For cigar reviews or not. Um, what's the biggest surprise you've ever had on stage? Well, uh, we used to have a guy who still comes around, Rob. Rob is called The Hook. <laughs> His nickname is The Hook because if people come up and they're drunk or trying to hurt someone or whatever, we just give we just yell, Hook. <laughs> and he comes out and he passively persuades that person to leave. So mm-hmm. it happened at the Kate where uh, Matt had to do it, some drunk guy came up and was trying to grab the mic at a beautiful, one of the beautiful, most beautiful theaters in Connecticut, the Kate Epburn Theater. Mm. It's very elegant there. And this guy was hammered, and she invites people on stage to, to dance with her. Well, he was a little drunk, and he went to try to take the mic. And Matt just went up and politely said to him, you gotta go. And then he kind of reluctantly left, but... I mean, I guess one gig in Maine where people were drinking for days and sneaking in the club <laughs> and getting on stage and then getting tossed out by big, big bouncers and finding a way back in. And then they're back on the stage again. You're like, how did this guy get back in here? That's the third time tonight, you know. But, um, you know, that's about it. I mean, oh, thank God. Gosh. Yeah. Well, if, they, if that's the worst that's happened, that's really good. Right. <clears throat> That's really good. Now, do you have family or anything? Are I do have three, a wife and three kids. A wife and three kids. You, are uh, they all the boys, girls, a mix? Uh, my oldest is my son's 24. He's graduated from college. He has a good job at an insurance company. He just yeah. moved back with us. And is he going into the music business, oh, no, too? No, no, no. None of my, kid, <laughs> none of my kids are, are musicians. Okay. Thank God. Uh, maybe God gave them a, more of a sense than he gave me, but uh, they're all good kids. You know, my daughters are still in college, 20 and 21. Yeah. One's in Alabama, one's in Florida. Sure. And I'm, my wife's a sweetheart. Kurt knows my wife. And uh, 
she tells me go go for it all the time, no matter what. So I marry, you know. I knew when I married her that you know, a she's not materialistic, <laughs> and b she's uh, would never. We don't try to control one another. Mm. So, and our kids are good kids, thank God. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, no, that's good. You know, one of the kids. memories that just came across my brain, Jeff, is you actually played my wedding. Yes. Yes. Really? Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, now you have to now you have to share more than that, Kurt. What does well, that mean? He played your wedding. He he performed. He played the uh, music at uh, my wedding, and uh, I I don't know what else to say about that. You know, I probably shouldn't even have brought it up right now. But it's uh, it was it was a good day. Yeah. Uh, did you just give him a box of cigars? Or did you actually pay him? No, I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that was a beautiful wedding, and you had a, a beautiful marriage. It's just you know, some things run their yeah, course. That's probably all. write a song on that too. Yeah. <laughs> There's a million of them on my yeah, they're already written. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> I was working on a song because a buddy of mine was marrying his first wife again, so I was working on a country song like I married my first wife again. <laughs> so it was a perfect it's a perfect song for Willie Nelson. And a lot of people actually do it. A lot of people go back to the girl that they were married to. So I have a question. Oh. Uh, I'm going to try to think of how to say it the right way. But um, So I'm going to take like my experience of cigars. So to me, like music and cigars, one of the things that they share, which Dan kind of alluded to earlier, was like kind of that spiritual aspect of it. Like you just, It's a complete like neutralizer, you know, like, you can, you know, play somewhere and then, you know, all different kinds of people come together for like the one passion and music that they have. Same with the cigars. You can have two people from different realms of society just sit next to each other. You can never tell just because they're sitting there and enjoying a cigar. So one of the things with me is, you know, whenever I smoke a cigar, I, I'm always constantly thinking about it. And, like, what am I tasting? Like, you know, how is it burning? And then sometimes, like, if I really just want to, like, kind of connect to that spiritual aspect of it i'll just sit there and i'll just smoke the cigar i won't think about it and then by the time i'm done smoking it, i don't even know what i tasted i just enjoyed it i was just like living in the moment have you ever just sat down and just just played music you know you didn't think about it you were just kind of like letting like the spirit just go and then like when you were finished you were just like i don't know what i just did but it felt good that's that's you just nailed it right on the head and then and, and the last couple of years, when I get to perform, I close my eyes, and and I let my fingers go where they're going to go, and I don't, and I'm completely in the moment. So, I I see your analogy, and it's a good one because I never really analyzed my response to smoking cigars till I'm mm-hmm. sitting with you guys here. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of parallels to that, and really the the trick of life from from what I'm studying. This yogi from India named Saguru, when I lost all these friends to death, to untimely deaths, accidents, drugs, booze, I I went to a grief counselor, I went to a priest, I went to the doctor, I even wrote a song about about getting help for grief. But I I only say that because Saguru, all these yogis teach you is how to live in the moment. Mm -hmm. Whenever you have anxiety, depression, negative thoughts, it's usually thinking of what might happen tomorrow or what happened yesterday. So we're not living in the moment. Right now, we're all having a great time because we're all present with each other right now in the moment. We're not thinking about any worries, any financial worries, any... Uh, rumination of death and all this stuff. So yes, that's why I just, you know, just did these four gigs in Florida and I never opened my eyes once because I've been playing for so long and it wasn't like I was trying to show people that I could play without looking at my guitar. Mm -hmm. I was just going into a place, Mm -hmm. a, a place that I needed to go to live in the moment and we're all trying to find that place and i know my brother jay he smokes like 20 cigars a day <laughs> because he's so stressed out at his business he smokes them at work and he's like oh thank god and i'm like i think you might want to cut it back a little bit buddy but to him that's what takes the edge off and uh you make a great point it's like whatever we need to do this is a, a it's not a harmful thing it can be if you overdo it but yeah you make a great point is that 
people are searching. Everyone's searching for inner peace, inner joy. And really, it's living in the moment. And if the cigar helps us all live in the moment, then so be it. And then you make friends through music and through just having a stick. You have something in common with somebody. So I'm sure a lot of the quality friends you guys have made are from here and having a stick with someone that may have you'd never be friends with otherwise mm. <clears throat> what's your two cents on that Kurt that sounds pretty good <laughs> well he, see, you know what the funny thing is Jeff was so talking questions. and he said gonna have a good time and it brought me to a song that he does and I don't I can't think of it yeah it's good gonna, time good yeah. time and then I thought about this other song I think about his music all the time uh, Whiskey River. Yeah, that song is unbelievable, and it's just—it's uh, so pleasurable. So, even though I probably didn't hear everything you just said, I was thinking about that stuff, and it's the music that kind of got into my head. So, well, that makes me feel good because um, we got it's, it's I embrace everyone else's music more than my own. I'm actually uncomfortable a little bit talking about myself and my music, but this business is a very self-absorbed business because. Mm. You're always selling yourself and you're persuading others that you're good. Uh, that's just part of the job. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you're okay with that, you got to like yourself. Like, you know, self esteem is really important to give your kids and give yourself. And you can always tell people that don't like themselves. I, I can tell it right away when I meet somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, the music business has taught you how to discern information about people that, and sometimes you're wrong. You know, but we're, you know, we're getting into philosophical conversations, but that's okay. It is. Um, You know, you know, you got to find some people find God. I found God. God saved me many times. Mm -hmm. And uh, I argue with people that God exists all the time, you know, so. I mean, it's a civil argument, but it's an argument. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you've taught me more about cigars than my brother, and he smokes more cigars than anyone I ever met. <laughs> yeah, even Pastor Padron had a, has a hard time thinking about twenty a day. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's being a professional smoker. He's yeah, he, he's going, and you know I'm a professional smoker. That's what I was referring to. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's combating stress, and then <clears throat> some people combat stress with uh, pot or or alcohol or whatever. But like you say, in moderation, you have a stick. It makes you feel good. <laughs> makes you be yeah. in the moment. We're having a great time. I really appreciate you guys having me here because I'm enjoying it a lot, and I'm enjoying meeting you guys a lot. I'm mm-hmm. glad you're having a good time. This is this is really good so far and everything. Now, <laughs> Dan, can I ask a question? Yeah, Just sure. As an outsider here, um, you have an accolade. Yeah, I've been a musician for 55 years. Certainly not anything close to you, but you have an accolade. That so many youngsters try to uh, acquire. At 15 years of age, you were you, you were given the honor of being the best blues guitarist in the state of Connecticut. And although that doesn't sound, you know, the state of Connecticut, but I got to tell you, there were so many kids that try to be the best. You were the best. Oh, thank you. And that's that's phenomenal. That whole story is is really. My guitar teacher in ninth grade taught everybody "Rocket Me, Baby" by Steve Miller. The first day, the <laughs> first day of class, everybody, everybody learned. <laughs> Keep on rocking me, baby. <laughs> so the whole class was playing that the first day. If you couldn't play that, then you went to the bass or the drums. If you couldn't play bass or drums, you became a roadie or a lighting guy. That's me. And then he would turn the whole class into a band that was going to other schools to perform. And everybody quit 
basketball, soccer, right. football, and the coaches were coming into him and ripping him a new one because he was transcending these kids to become musicians. And many of those kids that I was in class with became professional musicians and succeeded. Mm. And they all credit John Sales. But he also played everybody against one another, which was his fault. He, he had faults. He'd be like, you better practice because Billy Vining is getting better than you, and he's going to be the lead guitar player in the Bay next week, and you'll be out. And then he'd give me, like, a heart attack. And I was, like, in ninth grade, you know. Yeah. And but but It's like dance moms. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even worse. Even worse. Even worse. Yeah. He was a dance mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I, I credit him for making many people musicians because I tried pot in ninth grade and I showed up to his class stone. He kicked me out of the band <laughs> and uh, I was devastated. I was, I, I thought I was going to die. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people say that he motivated me to succeed because he wasn't going to tolerate. He would say using drugs doesn't go with learning. Mm. So you don't get it, and you're out. But there were I found out that there was other guitar players that were washing his car and cleaning his pool, and they were they were greasing the wheels so that they could become the guy. And I invited him to my wedding, and he said, "Why would you invite me to my wedding? Your wedding? You you don't have any ill will towards me?" And I said, "Well, you should read BB's book because because BB was told on many shows." that he sold out that he wasn't going to be paid whether because he was black or because the promoter could get away with it and he'd always say well they came to hear me play so they're going to hear me play so he never he always turned the other cheek Mm. another great conversation with stevie ray wanted to be on alligator records alligator records told him he was too white he was too wild he almost committed suicide over it he drank he he was out of control and bruce iglauer from alligator passed on stevie ray vaughn that's like michael jordan's high school coach cutting him so maybe that's what fueled stevie to do even better and get signed Mm -hmm. by epic records and then when iglauer called him to come play on lonnie Mack's record he said sure he never held any grudge any animosity because that energy doesn't do you any good Mm. And you could just be obsessed with the people that did you wrong, or you could just forgive them and just say, well, I'm, I'm not in control. Those are some good life lessons you're learning from the yeah, music man. industry there. Um, now, as a, as a father of three kids myself, I often say I've got three daughters. So I, I tell people I live in the estrogen palace. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm outnumbered in my house, too, yeah, so yeah, it's a, I know that feeling. It's a dangerous place, so I spend as much time here at Twins as possible to keep my sanity going. To escape the, 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 the estrogen know. realm. But, but yeah, I'm a minority in a sorority at home. But it, it's like... There's a song right there. The Estrogen Palace, minority in the sorority, you're... Attitude, <laughs> my attitude changed in my altitude. I wrote that song and found out Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, I hit with it. I thought I was a genius. <laughs> yes. but, you know, with all the time away from from work, how do you balance family and all the travel and being away that you have to, you know, like you're here, yeah. you know, for and, and, you know, we're glad you're here. You're having a good time and everybody's everybody's having a great time here, but it's time away from your family. How do you balance that out? Well, I think everybody does it differently, and uh, I just been—I know my kids are a little embarrassed by me because I am a musician, <laughs> and all their friends' parents are like—I don't know—regular people who. So even to this day, there's some resentment there, but you just accept it and say, you know, I'm—I love my kids unconditionally, and yeah. uh, I did ever, did everything I could for them. Now they're adults, and you know, you, you know. What are you going to do? I mean, I, I spent a lot of time with my kids when they were little. Yeah. My wife works at an insurance company. I'd be okay. home, and we'd balance it with my parents and her parents. But, uh, you know, like I said, you, you got to give your kids self-esteem and, and launch them. Make them want to move out. Yeah. And not, and, and not want to, you know. And my son, when he butts heads with me, I'm like, look, you could take that position with me, 
when you get your own place. Right. But yeah. when you're under my roof, you're not going to take the position like you're in charge here. So I don't think two alpha males can live in the same roof. Yeah. But he's saving his money by, by living with us. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't bring me to the point where I would ever hit him or anything. But I, I do butt heads with him and be like, look, don't talk to me that way. Yeah. This is my house. Yeah. And I think every parent goes every through parent a lot of shit. Every parent has to go through that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Can um, we swear? Is that all right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. We hey, should have discussed hey that earlier. <laughs> we can t- take care of that. Start to sweat now. Yeah. It's that freaking whiskey. Holy yeah. cow. That's like 900 <laughs> proof, man. <laughs> Holy cow, Kurt. So, I can drink whiskey, but that you got to just sip it. It, it takes your head right off. <laughs> is it me or what? How's the pairing? The pairing, that's like 900. This is like 12. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's much stronger. I can do 10 of cigars and, and maybe two of those. Yeah. Same here. Um, what are some things that, you know, what are the things you do to recharge yourself? You know, when you're not when you're not playing somewhere, when you're not having to be anywhere, and you know, what are the things that you like to do to really recharge your batteries? Well, I have to be honest with you, sometimes I've spent like twenty hours straight in bed <laughs> because uh, bed's good. This freaking business will kill you. Man. <laughs> you just you go there, holy shit! It's the next day, and you just your body just your body will tell you what's wrong, man. <laughs> Where's dad? He's in bed. Yeah. But it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen often. Though. I'll say that. I'm like, I'm a Northeast guy like you guys. Yeah. The only way you succeed in the Northeast is you get up. Awesome. Yeah. And, and we burn the candle at both ends to yep. support our families. And I don't, anyone I meet who lives in the Northeast, I lived in Texas. Uh, I've, I've, I've stayed with friends everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Nobody's like the Northeasterners. They're mm-hmm. workers. They, they get shit done. And so I come from a family of immigrants that own diners and the whole ethnic thing. And my grandfather worked seven days a week and he didn't have an education and uh, he owned a diner and there was no day off, you know. <laughs> so we, we don't even realize how good we have it compared to our parents' generation that all they knew was work and they worked for their families. So... That makes sense. I, yeah, it does. I don't want to ramble too much here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're getting near the end of the show here. What What are the final thoughts on the cigar and the pairing? We can go around the room and share the... We can start with Nurse Rick over there, the uh, mystery guest. I love the cigar. I, I like almost everything Aganosa puts out. And that first cigar that you gave us, I was like... Dave, this is outstanding. We got to find this. Of course, we couldn't find it. <laughs> but it's only here. Absolutely phenomenal. It's only here. It's only here. Dave, what about So you? I was just contemplating pulling out my pick because I'm down to the nub here. Yeah, same here. And so this this is, uh, you know, pipe, wow. this is pipe worthy. Yes, kind of yes, hashtag yeah. pipe worthy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Put the nub in the cigar and smoke the rest of it. But I have a little nubber I can stick in there and smoke this thing down to a quarter inch. Mm. And I just might do it. This is really good. Pat? Yeah, I mean, I can just echo what I said earlier. And, like, the one thing I'll add is... It's like the hacks. Um, I smoked this cigar during the Super Bowl, so that was probably mm-hmm. like a month and a half ago now. Yeah. yeah. And I remember I thought it was amazing. I'm like, Kurt, put this thing out. Like, stop <laughs> sitting on it, you know? And, and that's the one, one of the things I appreciate about Kurt is he, he doesn't rush anything. You know, he, he doesn't rush time. And, like, smoking this cigar again tonight, like, it, it is night and day. Like, it was already yeah. a really, really exceptional cigar, but it's just, like, the six weeks it's been sitting, it's just, it's so much more refined. And it's just gotten better. It's just, you know, Kurt knows when something's ready. It, it's, it, it's, it's different, you know, it's, you know, this God knows Vitola when. totally makes this blend shine. Yeah. And not that I, I enjoy the rest of the Aganorsa Leaf Corojo line, but this this is definitely my favorite iteration of that. And I think the smallest gauge is like a 52 that they yeah. do, right? Yep. Smallest is a 52, and they're all box pressed, right? Yep. Yep. Kurt, are you pleased with your Aganorsa experience? I'm very pleased. <laughs> I think the uh, all of a sudden in the second half, I'm getting a, a real. Uh, from the, the combination of the whiskey and the tobacco, it's a real sweet flavor, mm-hmm. almost candy sweet. It's unusual. Mm. I don't usually get that. And uh, just sipping, 
that whiskey, you know, very slowly and uh, smoking this slowly. I'm watching you guys. Are, uh, me and Pat are about even. I'm a slow smoker, but really enjoying this. Nice and uh, burning nice. Yeah, I haven't had to retouch or anything. Uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. Jeff, what about you? Are you enjoying the cigar? I am. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate the hospitality. Appreciate you guys. And uh, I give it an A plus. And this mm. is the from the. Uh, Look at Jeff. He looks completely relaxed. I am. I am. A lot of my friends say <laughs> that when I smoke the cigar. That will it. Dude, I finally see you relaxing. Yeah. yeah. So we're not aware of what it does to us, you know. Mm. But I, I, I wish I could put my words like Pat did about. The, the intricacies going on in a stick. Uh, that's why I asked my brother to come with me because I know he could appreciate the sticks more than me. I either like them or I don't like them. Yeah. But I, I've never really discussed the intricacies of uh, the Cohiba versus the. You know, I order seven twenty fours wherever I go because that's my buddy. Mm-hmm. But um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not qualified to analyze it except to say this is a good pairing. Mm-hmm. It's top shelf. They're both A+. Plus. And I know you guys agree with me because you're experiencing the same thing. Oh, and yeah. I, would, I would think you would. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Well, Jeff, this has been a pleasure having Thank you, you on. I really appreciate you coming. And we had a lot of things to overcome to get this show together. And we overcame them all. And uh, like you said, that's the whole Northeast thing. You just keep going. Yeah, we're just make it happen however you can. That's it, bro. And uh, Kurt, I'm very glad that you were on the show too. And and uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. And we're glad that you're a supporter of the show, sponsor of the show. We wouldn't be here without you. So we really appreciate you, man. Glad you guys are doing what you're doing. Can we can we hear the fat cigar live? Thanks to the uh, thanks for our. Guest uh, producers sure, and no engineers problem. or mm-hmm. whatever you call them. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for putting this together. Yeah, it's awesome. Dave, we're going to play us out. We're going to play us out here. It's a good way to go out.